It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another lightning round edition of Buckeye Talk. I'm Nathan Baird from cleveland.com. Hopefully you're subscribing to our big weekly podcast that we put out each week. Uh, definitely encourage you to check that out this week. If you've heard last week's defensive depth chart breakdown for 2020 this week, we went back and did the offense. So pretty much, you know, I think, over two hours of, of talk on kind of breaking that down from all angles, all sorts of position groups, position battles, potentially answering your questions about Master Teague and the running backs, about how all these young receivers are going to fit in about what they're going to do at the offensive line spots where they crucially don't have some guys coming back. Uh, All of that covered in this week's podcast, covered in depth. Definitely uh, encourage you to subscribe there, come back each week. Um, We're going to keep cranking that out throughout the offseason. But um, you're used to this also. This is our weekly check-in on the the major headlines around Ohio State football, sometimes around college football in general as well. Obviously the biggest one this week around the Buckeyes was the long-awaited and uh, much-anticipated return of Kerry Combs as now a defensive coordinator. Um, he previously was here for six years under Urban Meyer as the uh, set cornerbacks coach, uh, special teams coordinator, uh, assistant defensive coordinator, but now coming back with that full defensive coordinator title and uh, you know all the responsibilities that will go along with that. Ryan Day in the statement that he put out, and we haven't had a chance to talk to him directly yet, but uh, said basically this is the person he – pinpointed early on. He talked a lot last week with some of the other coaching changes, I guess just a big one with the, the, the quarterback's coach, um, bringing in Corey Dennis, promoting Corey Dennis, saying that you know continuity is a big deal for him, and he, he wants to keep that with his staff. And even though this is a example of turnover, it's someone that has recruited players on the staff, who has coached players on the staff. He's only been gone for two years. Ryan Day worked with him, I think, in the last year there. There was some overlap. He obviously knows other guys on this staff, has worked with other guys on this staff. So the continuity thing still plays in here. He's still very much an Ohio State football coach, just one who took a little bit of a sabbatical. And I think you're going to probably see that come up in the future when Ryan Day has openings. It's either going to be about continuity to the staff or continuity to himself. And you saw that with the staff that he built, the people he brought in initially, guys that he knew already a little bit. And I think you're going to see that in the future if there are any other openings. As we talk about on the on the full podcast, this was actually a pretty, at least so far, quiet season of staff turnover for Ohio State football. Speaking of Kerry Combs, if he's not out on the recruiting trail already, he'll probably be there pretty much any minute this came in. Uh, the announcement came on Monday. I'm recording this on Tuesday evening. But he was an important guy as far as bringing in cornerbacks and other DBs into this program, let alone develop him the way he did uh, during his previous tenure with Ohio State. And there's obviously one big defensive back still hanging out there in this recruiting class potentially for 2020, and that's Cameron Martinez. Now we saw, if you've been following along, 
we thought all along that maybe Ohio State would try to go get another running back. Ryan Day was asked last week if that was true, if, if they would potentially try to get another one for 2020. He said the numbers were going to be really tight and that that seemed unlikely. And then within 24 hours, Jameer Gibbs, who had scheduled an official visit for that coming weekend, backed off of that visit. So I think that maybe answered 2020. Maybe there's still somebody else out there or through the, the transfer portal that comes open that Ohio State feels like it can't go without, but it's increasingly looking like they're going to go with the roster that they have from the running back room for 2020. Um, as far as Cameron Martinez, Ryan Day was up visiting him earlier, I guess, over the weekend. So they're still putting in the legwork to try to bring him in. He was a guy who had been verbally committed, and then right before signing day when the Jeff Halfley decision happened and he went to Boston College, Martinez kind of pulled back and said he was going to wait until the late signing period to, or the normal signing period, however you want to look at it, to make his final decision. But Ohio State still seems very much in the running there, and uh, we'll see if Kerry Combs gets involved in that process as well here in the coming days. One other thing Ohio State coach Ryan Day talked about last week, and we mentioned it on a podcast, but I wanted to bring it up here, um, again, is the idea of the targeting rule. And I'm bringing it up here because one thing we didn't delve into very much is that Ryan Day mentioned, he was asked about it, but he just the day before had been at the American Football Coaches Association meeting, a head coaches meeting that they do as part of their convention. And he said that that was a topic of conversation. But really the important thing was that a year earlier, the AFCA had put together a proposal that outlined sort of a transition to kind of a flagrant one, flagrant two situation, where there'd be a targeting one, targeting two, and the targeting one would not have a ejection along with it, and targeting two would be for more, how do you want to say, I guess, just more egregious conduct, you know, someone who looks like they're intentionally trying to take someone's head off, intentionally trying to maybe hurt someone, that would be the penalty that would get you thrown out of a game. The first one would still have a 15-yard penalty, but the second one would also accompany an ejection, and if you get multiple of those throughout a season, then you're potentially prone to being suspended for having uh, being a repeat offender. That's something that could come up here again in the next few weeks. It's just something to keep an eye on because last year, when this was first proposed by the AFCA, that was not a, an NCAA legislative year. So new rules don't really get enacted. It's kind of a two-year process for that. And that will be able to come up now this year as something that the NCAA, um, its various boards or, or, or um, organizations, uh, offshoots that look into those sorts of things, uh, the committees that look into those sorts of things, they may end up having that to vote on here in the coming weeks and months. Just something to keep an eye on, and it'll be one of those things that probably kind of adds to the frustration of the Fiesta Bowl if this does end up getting changed, and it ends up being a situation where had everything happened a year earlier, maybe Sean Wade doesn't get ejected from the Fiesta Bowl, and maybe that game has a different way of turning out. Uh, we'll never know, obviously, but just something to keep an eye on because I know that that's something that fans – have a lot of consternation about that rule and people want to see it cleaned up. People want to see it changed. I've, I've expressed my skepticism on, on this podcast and some things I've written as far as whether the NCAA feels like it can do that. And it doesn't without looking like it's not taking head injuries as seriously, but if they can find a way to do it, maybe that would be a positive thing for the game. The NFL draft early entry list is out in full. Now the deadline was Monday evening and there were no surprises as far as any late additions from Ohio State. Uh, still, J.K. Dobbins, Jeffrey Okuda, and Chase Young were the three guys who are leaving early to enter the NFL draft. And that's a pretty significant thing for Ohio State for 2020. Um, what we had already heard from some of the other potential candidates, whether that was Baron Browning, 
whether that was uh, Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis on the offensive line. Um, guys like that had already said that they weren't coming back. They were coming back, I should say, or were staying, I guess would be a better way of, of even saying that. Uh, some of them had not even really looked into the process. Thayer Munford, another one who we thought maybe because of his injury history um, might want to take the chance when it was there rather than risking anything in the future. Um, but as it turns out, all those guys are coming back. And that, make no mistake about it, how is he losing three huge stars? I mean, arguably two of the best defensive players in the country, obviously the best defensive player in the country by most people's estimations, and Chase Young and Jeff Okuda right after that. And you're losing your single-season all-time rusher in J.K. Dobbins. And we've all talked about what the uh, running back situation is, and we're going to talk about it more on the, on the full podcast. So those are three huge holes. However, to be able to keep the entire rest of that nucleus together, you didn't have anyone who was a borderline call go ahead and make the jump. I, I think it's really huge because just, just kind of do the math on it. If you had to fill one more offensive line spot other than the two that they think they have open right now, if you had to fill one more spot on defense, you know, right now it looks like you can move Browning over and really keep that linebacker section intact. You pull him out of there completely. I know they like the guys who are coming up behind him, the guys who are going to be juniors next year that we talked about last week who haven't played a whole lot, your Kayvon Popes, your, uh, your Grants, those kind of guys. But it's so much huger to have someone who, with the proven talents of Baron Browning there. And this raises or keeps the ceiling pretty, or the floor pretty high on Ohio State football. And maybe raises the ceiling too. It's, it's as we saw with, with all the teams that end up getting that far and, and, and winning championships, just depth of talent and having it spread all across the field is so much more important than just having one or two stars. You've got to be able to fill it up at pretty much every position group. And, and even sometimes, as we saw last year with Ohio State, even when you do that, it's really tough to win. And those guys all coming back for next year is what makes Ohio State still a national championship contender in 2020. And finally, looking even farther into the future, we found out Tuesday afternoon that Ohio State's 2021 season opener at Minnesota, which is originally scheduled for a normal Saturday, September 4th opener, will now be played on September 2nd on a Thursday night. And that's not a new thing, obviously, to the Big Ten experience. Uh, Ohio State played at Indiana, opened the season on a Thursday night, uh, I believe it was 2017. They played at Northwestern last year. Uh, Purdue and Northwestern opened on a Thursday night a couple of years ago. This is becoming somewhat more routine. It's not going to happen very soon, if ever, at Ohio Stadium, I don't think. It's just very logistically difficult for schools with that kind of crowd to squeeze those things in on a weeknight. But it's going to be the, the way football is in the Big Ten for schools that um, fall into that next tier of either stadium size or following or however you want to say it. Um, I do think it's interesting for the 2021 matchup for one reason, and that is because Ohio State plays host to Oregon the following week, and Oregon's already going to have to make a, a, a cross-country trip that week. So that, that's not an easy part of a matchup like that, and that's maybe a little bit of something in Ohio State's favor. On top of that, now Ohio State's going to have an extra couple days to prepare, or maybe a couple extra days of treatment, or a couple extra days of rehab, or however you want to say it. Um, maybe those extra couple days can help them in a matchup like that. They're not going to necessarily see more from Oregon, which I believe still plays on a Saturday that week, or the previous week. So it's not like you get a lot of extra film time to break down or anything like that in these cases, but... Um, just that extra little bit of rest, I think, in, a, in an early season matchup like that, especially in, in Ohio State's case, they may be going in with a, a, a quarterback, a, a what will be a sophomore quarterback, you would assume, and either C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller in that game, who don't have a lot of, if any, starting experience at that point, maybe don't have a lot of uh, 
you know, um, first half of a game kind of experience at that point, um, depending on what happens this season. Uh, that could be big to, you know, help them get a little bit extra in their comfort zone for a matchup as tough as Oregon. We don't know exactly what Oregon's roster is going to look like for that game, but, you know, they are always tough. So that was our headlines for this week. Make sure you subscribe to the full Buckeye Talk podcast and subscribe to our text messages. Come to cleveland.com slash OSU. We listen to your messages. We read those questions every week on the podcast. You guys are a big part of what we do each week, and we appreciate it.